In the following episode, my guest expresses some strong religious and political opinions. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to another episode of I'm a Muslim and That's Okay. And I'm back with another interview segment of The Whole Muslim. And with me is a very, very interesting guest of mine, one whom I probably would have never encountered on my own. It was a very chance meeting. Chance meeting two years ago when I went on uh, the Muslim pilgrimage of the Hajj. And you got to do it once a year, got to do it right, do it proper. And what most people don't realize is that most Muslims do not know what they're doing when they're going for Hajj. So that's where <laughs> it's true, Tom. It's true. And this is where uh, my guest, Tom Pakini, comes in. And he was there. He was uh, one of the group leaders there to guide us for like for ignorant pilgrims through the journey to do it right, do every step right. So we don't mess up in the worst way possible. So how are you, Tom? Welcome to my show. Thank you very much for having me. I'm good. Uh, yeah, it was a fateful meeting. I've met a lot of great people. Uh, doing, you know, be leader and you're one of them. And I'm, I'm oh, please, Tom, please. We know how both know how that hudge went. I was not the great ones. I left people with stories, but I was not the great one there. <laughs> Well, you know, nobody's perfect, myself included. <laughs> we we got mission accomplished, you know. Mission we got we got through it. I hope so. But again, and for those who are listening, um, yes, you heard his name right. He is Tom Fakini. And Tom here sent me his um, his bio, and it's a great bio, but um, it all belongs in a resume. That's not why I had him here. Because it's not that kind of interview. I'm not hiring him for anything. It's wonderful qualifications, but that's not why we're here, Tom. So um, you have to tell us, uh, Tom, where are you right now? And uh, how did all of this start out? Well, where am I right now is the easy question. I'm in Utica, New York. It's right in the center of New York State. I'm the religious leader known as the Imam of a mosque. Uh, one of the bigger mosques in the city of Utica. And I've been here uh, basically about half a year, about six months. Where I'm from originally, obviously, I recognizes the type of name that I have. Uh, I'm from an Italian-American family from New Jersey, uh, raised right around the Philadelphia area. And I was not born into a Muslim family, so I converted to Islam when I was about 20, 21 years old. And after I converted to Islam, I went to travel and study the religion in Medina, in the country of Saudi Arabia, for about five, six years. And that's where I was a group leader for pilgrims coming through, uh, where I got to meet Shahla and many others. That's and not I why we're here, Tom, though. That's not why we're here. I'm going to rewind a bit, Tom. I, I hate to cut you off, but I, I, I we're going to rewind a bit. Here's the thing. Um, most people, when they see Muslims or hear of Muslims, they see someone like me, you know, like the, the short brown person uh, or short brown woman with a hijab. Um, they do not wish, visualize someone like you. Let's be honest about this. So... It, it's really hard for even people who are Muslims to picture you uh, as you are with your name, your background, to picture you as someone who is Muslim. I want you to tell us um, what drew you to Islam and why did you convert? That's a great question. Okay, so that, that gets into the main, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> what you're, I mean, it's, it's a long story. I can, um, I'll try to give a, um, synopsis um, there's always kind of more detail there's different sort of side quests and things like that but um, with everything I think when people make a change in their lives there's always like push-pull factor right so there's certain things that draw you in to something and then there's other things that push you that you're kind of ready for a change right, right? so um, I, I was raised in the church as a Christian uh, I was a very 
good Sunday Christian, right? I was in the the, the Bible studies and the uh, you have the, to tell me Catholic Sunday. or Protestant. I I mean that seems like an obvious question, but I have to ask. Well, no, it is it is interesting because my family's Italian, but my father is Catholic and my mother is Presbyterian, and um, my dad never really um, he hadn't been to mass in a long time, so. I would basically, my mother basically took responsibility for my and my sister's religious upbringing. So we were raised in a Presbyterian church, but during the summers when we spent time with my paternal grandparents, I would also go to mass, right? So I had both, but I was more, uh, I guess I was more in the Presbyterian tradition. So um, I was like front row center, you know, every single Sunday I was very devout. I remember getting my first Bible when I was 12 years old and trying to actually like read it like from front to back. Wow. And uh, I wasn't able to ever uh, perform that feat or accomplish it, but I tried a couple different times. I always got stuck around like kings and judges, a lot of very dry. Uh, anybody who's familiar with the Bible will know is like, wow, okay, yeah, it gets a little bit uh, dry. But I was, I was somebody who cared. I was somebody who cared about the faith. And even when I was young, I guess I was looking for a, a sort of level of that I didn't see very many people around me kind of practicing, right? Mm -hmm. So, for example, like, I always kind of, um, I guess I thought that there should be a little bit more to it than just showing up on Sundays and like singing a few songs and things like that. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I was always kind of drawn to do more. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I applied myself. I was, you know, like doing the best I could. But there were things that happened as I got older and became a teenager that basically I became alienated from the church I was at and even Christianity in general. You know, there's uh, a couple different things. So like, for example, one of those things, the Presbyterian Church has a, um, what's called a triennium. It's three, every three years they have like a youth uh, conference and it, mm -hmm. it used to be held at Purdue University right. and so I would each church like selects one or two of their like whatever like their I don't want to say like the cream of the crop but like you know maybe like one of their favorite like young people and they send them there as like a representative like, right so I was on the I was on the young end of that I was like maybe 15 years old I think and uh, I was going so I went and like, I was very like innocent and, uh, and prudish, right? At that mm -hmm. point. And I was really, that was like, I was kind of shocked at what I found when I went there, because as you can imagine, I think the age was like maybe 15 to 20 or 15 to 21. Right. And like, you know, hormones are raging. You've got a it's bunch a of young people age, getting together. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, there were people hooking up, there were people sneaking in alcohol and like all this stuff. And and, and this is like the people that are handpicked by their like congregation. It's not right. like if that's what they're and you imagine what like the other people who didn't get picked are doing, right? Ooh. So that was a shock to me. I was very, very shocked. I that's that, that sort of stuff was not on my radar at all. Right. And when that, that happened to me, I was just like kind of like, huh. It's like look at things very kind of like differently. Right. Um and then I think, um, you know, I think the other major thing that happened that affected me becoming a teenager was 9-11. Was um, most people my, my age, uh, you know, I was in eighth grade when 9-11 happened. And before that, I had no exposure to Islam, to Muslims, to anything. Right. Like, it was not on radar at all. Right. My community is like working class, Italian, Irish neighborhood. It's like, you know, uh, so it wasn't just, it wasn't on my radar. All of a sudden now, you know, there's, you know, these people somewhere in the world and, you know, an attack happened and now we're talking about going to war. And, and it was kind of crazy because there's this whole sort of uh, world out there and I was very, very ignorant of it. And I guess that was kind of, uh, that was eye-opening to me in the sense that I realized that I had a lot to learn and that I was pretty sheltered. So that was kind of like, I guess, what something that politicized me. Like I started caring about these sort of things. I started reading a lot. I started reading a lot of history and reading a lot, a lot of other stuff. 
before that, it was like, I got good grades in school, but I didn't really care. You know, I just wanted right. to play video games and right. I got home. But now there's like skin in the game. We're talking about life and death. We're talking things that matter. And so I felt at least a duty to be informed. So I, I read a lot and the more and more I read, the more I became kind of uh, sympathetic, I think, politically with Muslim. I kind that's, of... That's interesting, Tom, because here's the thing. That was a time that was... Ooh, it was pretty risky for us. And I was there. I was much older at that time. You were very young at that time. And um, it was a it was a time when I remember traveling a whole lot uh, back and forth from the US and it always was dicey. So it's interesting to see that uh, where a lot of people were going to one extreme um, where we were all bad, uh, that you could see that it wasn't all bad. I, I give you credit for it for at such a young age, especially. Uh, maybe it's easier for people who are younger because, you know, when you're a teenager, you like ready to question everything. You know, it's like you're trying to forge your own identity. I was trying to forge my own identity from who my parents thought I was. I was trying to be like kind of cut my own path. And then this thing happened. And so like, uh, yeah, I mean, all the stuff with like, uh, if it wasn't apparent between 2001 and 2003, it really became apparent in 2003 with the invasion of Iraq, right? Like that was the really big, I actually went and like attended some, I was still a teenager, but I went to like some protests and stuff like that against the uh, the invasion of Iraq because at that point it just seemed like really silly and stupid, right? You know, it seemed like the United States was just a bully and, and you know, this was very, very foolhardy sort of aggressive stuff. So all of that, I guess, what to say is like very much like kind of developed like my sympathy for Muslims as a people. I still didn't know anything about Islam. I didn't care anything right. about Islam. But <laughs> you I were very like, young, Tom. Again, it was, I mean, to care even that much was, is, I mean, I would see it as a big deal. Yeah, I'm I, know, uh, I don't know why. I just did. And, uh, and it bothered me. And so like, I mean, it's also... I know my mother used to tell me that I was very contrarian, right? And so my, uh, maybe she still tells me that sometimes. So, <laughs> because, um, my town was very conservative, right? Like, you know, uh, it's like three Medal of Honor winners, like, you know, small conservative working class town. And so I was also kind of like, I was definitely, uh, you stood out like a sore thumb. Let's put it that way. I was, I was a little bit of a rebel. Yeah. I was a little yes. bit of a rebel going through it. I, um, yeah, or at least I became one, right? Like, I used to argue a lot with my history teachers and tell them they didn't know what they were talking about, this and that and the other end. Um, yeah, no, really. Um, and so basically, so my sympathy developed and then that actually ended up being significant also within my church. Um, mm -hmm. We went through like several pastors, like through a period of years or whatever, and I'll never forget, I think it was 2006, and mm -hmm. Israel was, uh, had invaded Lebanon and mm -hmm. was kind of like uh, clearly an aggressor there. And because I was kind of politically now conscious, I was like reading about this stuff and I was passionate about it. And then I'll never forget the pastor, you know, gave an actual like a sermon about supporting Israel and against like basically the Muslims in the area. And I was just like, Teeming mad like the whole the whole time in church and then i actually went up to her and asked her after you know like the whole service was over or whatever i said i was like how like how could you like say that like what why would we like support like this group of people over that group of people when it seems like one is clearly the aggressor over the other and her response to me was so idiotic it was she said that you know well jews believe in the same god that we do and muslims don't I was like, this person is so dumb. Like, this is such a, a, like, like, this person has a master's of divinity and they're up here and they're official, whatever. So that was really, really soured my, um, my church experience. And from then on out, you know, I pretty much was like, I'm kind of, I'm good. I'm kind of done with religion for a while, you know, wow. like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like, this is like, this is like ridiculous, you know, like whatever i became I, I thought of myself as an atheist for a while um i used to like 
similar with my politics. I like to kind of bother people and argue with people and stuff like that, and kind of, you know, these yeah. sorts of things yeah. that young men, you know. It was it was the age, Tom. It's the age. It's a lot of age and, uh, um, like you knew some of how things work, but not all of it. That's what. Yeah. That's what it this way. Oh, well, when you're 18, you know, and you're a young guy, you feel like yeah. you got it all figured out. It's like, yeah. uh, but so basically, that's where I was. Um, when I graduated high school, okay? And then I went to college, uh, majored in political science, big surprise. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> Vassar College, Poughkeepsie, New York. And um, so my experiences there, I guess, is really where I started kind of getting funneled into uh, Islam itself. And there's like, again, a couple different things. So. On one end of thing, on one end of things. So most of what I studied was colonialism. Okay, right. that's like mostly what like my uh, my coursework was mostly about colonialism, mm -hmm. and um, it was really interesting because one of the things that I noticed and one of the things that my professors pointed out was that <clears throat> you know if you look at like the colonial mentality right. that historically like European empires have had towards the Muslim world. The justifications for it keep shifting, right? So initially it was about have to Christianize these heathens, right? Mm. And then after that, it was like, okay, well, we're enlightened. We have science and like, you know, whatever. And we have to, you know, civilize these people. Right. And now, and now, you know, it's kind of like these, these Muslims are barbaric and they're Savages. against human rights. Yeah, exactly. And so now we need to kind of, uh, you know, bring them out of that, give them like their own reformation and like this sort of thing, secularism and democracy and everything. Whatever. So I guess all of that kind of gave me pause because um, I, you know, throughout high school, if I was mostly like in conversation with Christianity. And so even my atheism was like directed against Christianity. Right. Mm -hmm. But then when, like I started seeing like, okay there's different religious experiences across the world and not every experience of religion is going to be the same as christianity right right and right. it might be kind of this similar sort of imposition to imagine to imagine every single person that believes in god is wrong you know like mm -hmm. and, and every single tradition that believes in god is just like fairy tales and, and wishful thinking Mm -hmm. Like it started to seem a little bit like untenable, you mm -hmm. know? So that kind of like pulled me back from like a lot of kind of uh, things that I felt pretty confident about right? Uh, coming into college. And then the pull factor, I happened to have me and my group of friends um, at college. There was a, uh, a professor who was from Morocco. She was a visiting uh, professor and um, she taught really, really cool classes. Mm -hmm. And she also had a child, uh, and her mother lived with her. And her mother was this little old Moroccan lady, you know, who didn't speak any English, and who would invite us over to come and have these awesome meals with couscous <laughs> and like. And so, yeah, and so like we draw you, know, you in with the food. Like my... That's how we do it. <laughs> no, pretty much. So I mean, that was my first like exposure to like muslim people like right. and to like muslim culture and to things like that and so it was a big draw it was a big draw and i started just kind of asking questions like why do you do things this way why do, I do that way and interestingly enough you know like she like this particular professor like was also going through, through like kind of uh, an evolution in her own life like when mm -hmm. when we first met she wasn't like super practicing i don't know if she was praying or not but year after year you know she was getting kind of more religious and we were her friends and so we you know were kind of witnessing this whole thing right. so sometimes at like these gatherings and stuff like that she would invite one of the local imams over there is a local imam mm -hmm. in the town of um beacon mm -hmm. who was uh from egypt uh mm -hmm. and he was a lovely man and he was just really really gentle and peaceful and calm and i was able to ask questions and things like that and he um, always has really appreciated his his demeanor and how he responded. Mm -hmm. So like, I felt like being a Christian, you know, you feel like you're not really encouraged to ask too many questions. Right. Right. And if 
funny because now in certain Muslim cultures, that's also kind of like what's going on. Surprise, Tom. Right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, hush yeah, baby. You know, it's like don't, don't, don't speak up. How dare right? you? So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, you know, he always like, and like took my my question seriously. But he was never like pushy or preachy. He wasn't right. trying to convert me, you know. He always just like was very just like laid back, and I really, really appreciated his demeanor. And he, yeah, he, he gave me a lot of food for thought on a bunch of different things. So let's see what happened next. Um, I was kind of because of this whole like trajectory. I actually did a semester abroad in Istanbul. So I went to uh, Istanbul and Turkey and um, mm-hmm. and studied there five, six months uh, through an exchange program. And that was amazing. That was mm-hmm. amazing because um, I, now I was like immersed in a, in a Muslim culture. This right. was 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just like the people that I met. It was funny because I, I lived in a conservative neighborhood. Uh, it's mm-hmm. called Iskudar. It's on the Anatolian side. And the, the university was on the European side and, and was like very, very like, like you know, liberal and stuff like that and yeah 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 like when i told like the turkish students where i lived they're like oh my god it's like they're gonna cut your head off you know (laughs) these people like like you know like they were like really really concerned for me but i had the opposite experience like people were so so nice and like helpful right and i don't know if it's still that way but at that time like if you needed help like somebody would drop what they were doing and would just like a comp- oh, that's nice. And help you. It was, the, it was the coolest thing. Like, I always remember there was this older guy, you know, the shopkeepers, like, in the back mm-hmm. alleys. His name was Sadat. And he would just, like, if I ever passed, I had to stop passing by his shop because if he saw me, he would sit me down and just tea, tea, tea. Oh. Them up. <laughs> yes. That's, like I said, we bring you in with the food, Tom. That's that's our that's our thing. The way to a man's heart is through his stomach and, you know, like... <laughs> That's really, really true. The lesson of this whole story, if you want to walk away with that, that's what it is. Um, so, yeah, pretty much. So that really, I really, really, really had a good experience in Turkey. When I came back, I was sort of, you know, I had sort of like this resurgence in religious, like, affinity, okay? Right. But I didn't have like a clear direction for it. So like, in the beginning, I wasn't necessarily like, Considering Islam itself, mm-hmm. for myself, I was trying to get more like uh, educated about like the monastic tradition within Christianity, you know, like the, you know things like that. But whenever I tried, it all seemed so convoluted and so kind of like um, inaccessible. Right. That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, there's. Uh, saint day for this day and that day and there's a million saints and like they have the different feast days and there's this penance on this day and this penance and it was very very convoluted and it's like you pray to saint francis if you lose something and you pray to this like with you you know these different kind of uh uh outsourcing kind of like god's capabilities to different um wow i didn't even know that i mean again uh i didn't grow up with that so it's just that's interesting Oh, that's the Catholics. The Catholics are big on like the iconography and like the saints, right, right. And, you know, the saints. Like, it was so like I had this, you know, uh, affinity that was growing, but I didn't have uh, a clear direction for it. And so um, when I came back, I was like, okay, I'm a college student. I'm interested in Islam. What do you do if you're a college student? You're interested in something. You take a class in it, right? Uh, Isn't that what you do? Right? Yeah. yeah. So, class in uh, the religious studies department, which is outside of my department, uh, about Islam, there's only one professor that was teaching about Islam, not a Muslim, interestingly enough. Um, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the class was so problematic. Um, and it I can really. Imagine. I mean, mm. it was upsetting. If so, the title of the class was called Islamic Autobiography. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's kind of like uh, the structured where the readings are different autobiographies of different Muslim uh, people, right? Right. So, but the figures that are chosen are very like kind of pushing the edge, 
you know, like sort of a controversial right. sort of thing. So we read this. It was really, really interesting because there were some other, there were actually like Muslims in the class. Mm-hmm. And then there's me, who's this, this dude that's just like kind of interested in Islam, but you know, right. isn't a Muslim. And we had to read this one book, and I won't name the book because I don't want to draw attention to its author or its, um, you know, or, or the name of the book. But something very, very controversial happened. So, the this book is about this person, you know, that uh, is an American and converts to Islam, and then they kind of um, get involved in like some very esoteric movements, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at one point, at one point in the book, the car- the person takes a copy of the Quran out into a field and he pees on it mm-hmm. okay and so he, in the book he's trying to make this big philosophical argument about the Muslims have taken the Quran as an idol and he's like Abraham smashing the idols and this and that mm-hmm. right you know and so like and this is being taught by a non-Muslim professor you know um yeah, you know what I mean? It's just yeah, like I mean, like nobody's really doing a good like check on what's going on or how this really you know affects I guess us. Right. No, it's extremely problematic yeah, from yeah. a lot. Of... So basically it was funny because like, you know, how class works. It's like you read at home and then you come and you discuss, right? right? So right. it's time to discuss this particular like section of reading. And um she knows it's controversial. Mm-hmm. She's He's friends with the author, apparently, oh. and so, so then, then she's like, "Okay, so what did you think?" And it's dead silent. Like it is just like nobody wants to say anything. Yeah, I would and imagine it's. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. But guess who's a rebel? And guess who's <laughs> argumentative? As always, <laughs> of course. Right. Yes. And so I raised my hand, and you know, I just. I was like, listen, I don't have a perfectly formed thought, but I found it really problematic and upsetting what he did. And that's all I said. Mm-hmm. You know what her response was? She said, so what should we do? Should we issue a fatwa to have him killed? So she's she's referring to the Salman Rushdie sort of affair. Yeah, right? yeah. Like she's yeah, like yeah. Make, making it seem like if you disagree with this act, this abominable act, you know, that you must just be this conservative cleric that just wants right. him to die or something right right sloppy sloppy yeah. reasoning total sucker very punch. sloppy argument to it just like i was i'm not even muslim it's like i'm just like totally just like did you really just say that to me and i was just like uh i didn't have anything else to say and it was really uncomfortable right. um the rest of the semester was a mess like her and i were just like sparring back and <laughs> forth and I eventually actually took an F for the class and it's the best grade I ever got. You know, I've never, uh, you know, because I was just so uh, disgusted with, with how the, the class was conducted and the kind of imposing arrogance mm-hmm. that somebody, I, if I were to teach a class on a religion that wasn't mine mm-hmm. and I'm teaching things that are extremely controversial and potentially blasphemous, within that religion and i'm teaching it to certain people that are actually practitioners of that religion how mm. much arrogance does it take to 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 pull that off I, it's, it's I, the joy of colonialism tom it's it's one of those things that we sort of get used to along the way that's what it is exactly and so and so it was funny because like after that class like we had the showdown or whatever all the muslim kids come up to me you know after class and they're like, you know, we really, we really appreciate. Like, thanks for saying what Aww, you said. Oh, that's sweet. Uh, yeah, but I was like, screw you guys. You guys like <laughs> let me like hunt Why? Like, I was like, got no backup in class. Yeah, like, yeah. You, know, you guys totally just like let me just get crucified there. You know, I mean, they were. You know, I understand. I understand. Like, it, it's, it's a cultural thing. You know, I'm a no, little it's bit not maybe just, not just cultural. Um, and I can speak from experience at that time. Uh, that generation, we were not uh, really there to question white people uh, or people from the West in general. I see a lot more of it now and I'm, I'm glad for it. It's high time that happened. Yeah. So, I mean, in the larger context of like my story or whatever, so this was like galvanizing, mm-hmm. right? Because um, 
I was basically defending this faith that wasn't my own, right. you know, and I felt passionate enough about it. And so I started to think like, okay, obviously I'm kind of like emotionally invested in this sort of thing. Like maybe I should start to, I don't know, like experiment with it. So I started like trying to learn some Quran. I started trying to, um, to pray. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually I actually fasted an entire like Ramadan. Wow. And I didn't even realize, I didn't realize that I had to take like the Shahada, like the testimony of faith or anything. So like he, this professor of mine, like the professor that was Muslim, that's like, she knew that I was doing all this stuff and I'd ask questions and she'd actually teach me some Quran and stuff like that. But I was, it kind of was like filling that need that I had way back when I was a young person about like something more Right. that was being, right? It's like, it made sense to me that we should have to pray five times a day. Like it made sense to me we should have to fast. Like these sorts of things seem like weighty enough, right? If we're talking about like actually proving your devotion and your commitment to God and like actually working on yourself, it's like this should be like bare minimum stuff. You Mm. know what I mean? It's like I should be able to once a week and sing some songs and then I'm saved because I think Jesus is the son of God. Like that doesn't, I'm sorry, that doesn't, that's not very convincing, right? So I was very, very um, happy and, you know, uh, I had a really great experience with the with the worship and I was trying to learn stuff and I graduate, you know, and I go back and I'm like, you know, uh, I'm not in, in college anymore, I'm in the workforce. And then I get a call one day from this professor um, who, you know, the Muslim professor who I was, oh. I was friends with. And she's like, she's like, Tom, I'm like, yeah, what's up? She's like, you have to take, you have to take your Shahada. She's like, she's like, you believe in Allah, right? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you pray. She's like, you pray, right? I'm like, yeah. Like, you got to take your testimony of faith. I'm like, I got to do what now? And then like, so she happened to be passing through Philadelphia on like a conference or whatever. So I went over the bridge and like, I'm literally like, where I grew up is like, I can see the Philly skyline from my house, but I'm across the river from Philly. So get in the car, go over to Philly, West Philly, and one of the messages there. Um, take my Shahada. Never hear from that person again in my life. <laughs> I don't know who that person. I don't even know their name. Like, right. like it was like the weird experience. They took me down. They took me down into a basement, and it was like, okay, repeat after me. Oh, that's interesting. That, like, you, know, you did not get the, the whole grand masjid experience. That, oh my god! I mean, there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing wrong with how it happened. But I mean, that's what usually. I mean, I see the way I see it is like they usually go to a, a masjid and then there's the imam there and they usually do it. But hey, whatever works. Was this random guy? I don't know. Like, I don't think he was the imam there. I didn't get prayed around. I didn't get the awkward three hugs like the left. <laughs> Right over there. I get this is not that man. Like that's not fair. We don't gotta redo. <laughs> redo, right? Let me yeah. redo, redo my vows, right? Yes. Uh, but um, but yeah, but that was I guess the official whatever. Right. But it was also revealing because it's such a um, a sloppy and informal thing, and there's no follow up. Now myself being an imam, having given the your assisted people let's say in in becoming muslim you know people who are converts come from all sorts of situations sometimes they're kicked out of houses sometimes they're estranged from their spouses or their parents and you know i had a a very you know safe situation thankfully but lots of people don't and so like those questions were never even asked like and there was no like follow-up or anything so i always don't I mean, you were lucky uh, because, yeah, as you said, a lot of those who convert, they are putting themselves in very risky situations. That's the other thing I wanted to ask you. I mean, how did your family take this? Because, yeah, obviously you're the rebel and and, and all that, but still, it's a huge shock. Yeah, so I was, so there's another dimension of the story, so I didn't, I wanted to make it simple, but like, I was all married by this time. I met my wife. Uh, in college, uh, mm-hmm. and we got married in my senior year, mm-hmm. um, and we basically right around the time when our first son was born. That was when I like officially took my uh, my testimony of faith. Right. Okay. Now we're we're living with my parents. I'm working. 
um, when I tell my parents, right. uh, okay, so you have to, everybody in your family is different, right? So with my family, my dad, an Italian man. Yes. He, he used to have a little bit of a short temper, okay? Yeah. So I would always, I would always, he's like, he's so mellowed out now. Like, it's mm-hmm. so funny, like, to, like, because my son, use him as like grandpa and like right. grandpa is so chill and so fun and like when i was growing up you know like he had like a short fuse you yes. know and um so whenever there was big news to break i was gonna approach my mom first and then right. she would kind of filter it to, to dad right that's always how it right. went right. So i waited one night until like my dad went up to bed and i like my mom was just there and my wife was there and so I told my mom, I said, listen, mom, I got something to tell you. Like, I've decided I'm going to, like, I've become a Muslim and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And she, what she did was she turned to my wife, who was sitting next to her on the couch, and she said, you know that they marry four wives, right? <laughs> what are you doing to me? It's like, and my wife, my wife, like, didn't, like, wasn't a Muslim she wasn't like necessarily interested or whatever you know at that point it's like really you know it's like but you know it's really interesting because when I look back on it now because my mom had taken so much responsibility for my religious upbringing I think she felt like a failure like she her understanding that's what I would think because uh, I mean she she took the burden of your faith on her and then you turn around and it's it's a completely shifted thing exactly so she really you know she was acting out of hurt in that moment and then later you know kind of like blaming yourself kind of aspect of it for her kind of became more apparent she understood that she had sort of failed she had no idea what i was like you know, like yeah. maybe I was part of this. I have, she has no idea, right? It's a huge um, shock, Tom. I mean, I don't blame her, uh, quite frankly. Um, and my dad was way cooler about it than I thought, you know, because the thing is, my dad didn't have any any leg to stand on. He hadn't been right. to mass in like, like decades, you know. So it's like, you know, uh, so he was like, well, you know, he said something that really surprised me. He was like, you know, I pro- I pray about five times a day, so you know whatever like or something like that you know like, it was like really like that's pretty cool okay. i mean yeah I, I, that's interesting I, I know friends of mine that were kicked out of their houses so it's like yes. i like i'm very very thankful my parents have been very very supportive my wife has been very supportive like from the beginning right that's like the so, other thing i wanted um, to ask you because you were going through your oh i don't know transformation with her how did she feel about all of this Pre-college, post-college, all that. Yeah, yeah. Well, so this is so it gets it gets messy. So there's another detail that I left out about the conversion experience that was like very uh, sad and unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I went down into the basement, okay, and I, I made my testimony of faith in Philadelphia. I come back up, and my wife's there, and there's this other lady who's there who is uh, also a convert. I I gathered. Mm-hmm. what she said and then she turns to my wife and she asks her she's like are you thinking about converting too and you know my wife was like um oh, i'm still yeah. thinking about it like you know very non-committal sort of thing right and then the, the lady says to my wife she's like well you know now every touch between you guys is haram oh okay. and i was like who is that who does that? It's like, who are you? Like, you're so, like, uh, about, like, a bad, bad first impression and experience yeah. with the faith. It's like, like, are you, are you out of your mind? And like, first of all, it's like, now, looking back, you know, spent four years in, you know, studying Sharia law and stuff like that. Right. And what did you read? It's like, what were you even, like, you didn't You'd be surprised, our sources, Tom. You'd be surprised. <laughs> Or Facebook, it's like so. It's not even like the WhatsApp group, you know. Like, right. like it's like, you know, it's like you didn't even ask whether I was married or not. You didn't even ask, like you just, I don't know, like whatever. Yeah. So, that sort of stuff, like you know, I think was a huge setback, right? right? right. And my wife was really, really cool and supportive about almost everything. But 
for a while, you know, there were some like I never and I thank I thank God I never ever pushed anything on her right. uh, that I could call like at all. Right. But I was making changes to myself and to mm -hmm. my life. Right. right. And so it's difficult emotionally when you have married somebody right. and then that person that you married now they're completely changing and they're completely like That's right. Right. you know like yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go direction over here so right. and I stopped you know absolutely no alcohol anymore like mm -hmm. like I'm not going to be like you know sharing a beer with her I'm not going to be like hugging her friends like right. you know I'm not going to be like uh, I was a big musician before I was mm -hmm. a Muslim Right. right, I was like, I'm gonna like stop all this sort of stuff, and yeah, she was very concerned because a lot of those things. Um, she was like, I just like, yeah, it's like the person that you know. It's like, how much do I know you anymore? And so, it was it was difficult. It was difficult. I'm not gonna lie. Um, because we had um, our son. Our son was born and in the picture. We tried our best to to make it work and to understand each other. Right. And that was a huge lesson because it basically took three years of arguing until we finally kind of understood each other. Right. right. Um, so that was the that was a bigger test than anything that I went through with like my parents. Uh, I can. I but can alhamdulillah, everything. Um, and yeah, I mean, you had transformed into somebody. She, she you were not the same person she married. No. The, the the bait and switch right uh, like, there was no food involved tom come on and yeah i'm a guy so i'm done with that sort of stuff it's like i should have been like reeling her in with the the sweets and the treats the and, the, and, and the tea stuff. come on man get with it no like, I, I wasn't i wasn't <laughs> smart i mean i was smart enough to not push anything on her and that's yes. it you know that was just the mentors that kind of allah put in my path that i right. thankfully who made those sorts of mistakes. I used to have older older converts tell me embarrassing stories. Oh man, just like horrifying stories about the mistakes that they had made when they were like new to them and overzealous and stuff like that. And so I'm very thankful for them because that saved me from a lot of, not that I was perfect, not that I was always like awesome, but like I didn't do, I didn't screw it up. You know, like right. I didn't do anything major. Um, and we came out, it was awesome. I mean, honestly, it's like, uh yeah i mean it took a lot of work you know we, we joke like these days like we we joke we're like you know marriage really gets good in year 10. you know that's <laughs> kind of like a, like because for the first three years it was like a war and yes after that it was like really up in the air so right. i we we moved around the country i was doing different jobs first mm -hmm. i worked in uh restaurants and then i worked on farms and then I kind of decided at one point with some advice from some of my mentors that I should try to apply to go abroad and study, study the religion, you know? So I applied, but we didn't know what was going to happen. And my wife was still not, still not a Muslim. Right. right? Um, and it just so happened, you know, that, that all of that kind of just happened together. Right. I got right. kind of accepted to the program that I, I went to. Uh, right around the same time that she decided that she was going to give it a shot and become a Muslim as well. Wow. Yeah, but, it was made. But yeah, uh, I mean, I can see the problems in that since you would not be there. Uh, and I, you, you you basically, that she's all alone. And it's a, it's a lot of things yeah. to navigate. I have just like so much to just indebted and thankful to Allah for just, you know, everything unfolded in such a beautiful way mm -hmm. and uh it didn't have to happen like that you know it right. could have been a lot harder but right. know, i was i was i was spared for something to lie. nothing i did to deserve it but um even then even at that point like it wasn't a sure thing okay she became a muslim but like at first so i went to medina uh in january 2015 and it's takes a lot of legal work to get them like approved to even come over and right. they weren't even like 
wife was like, yo, I don't really want to be in Saudi Arabia. Like, I'm not kind of like feeling that vibe, you know? It's right. like, women women can't drive, you know, now mm-hmm. they can. But like, I got to wear like this like black, you know, like all all black all the time, you know, sort of thing. It was not an appealing thing and I couldn't blame her. I wanted, I wanted to be together for, you know, my own sanity and selfish reasons, but I also couldn't blame her for not being enthusiastic about uh, yeah. wanting to <laughs> So like, you know, she was I living with, you know, her mom at the time. Uh, and we're like, you know, doing our whatever, our, our WhatsApp calls or our Skype right. calls or whatever. And it's like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to come. And also I was like, I'm like, okay. And that hurt, but I just didn't listen to her. And I kept on pursuing the legal pathway to get them to come anyway. Mm-hmm. And even that was something just like divinely ordained. You know, by the time I had it, everything figured out. She was like, okay, you know, maybe, you know, we, we really need to prioritize being together. And so maybe I'll try and see what happens. So it took me about a year and a half to get um, the paperwork approved for her and my son to come over. So I spent my first yeah year and a half there. And then they came over and we spent the last four years of my program there together. Right, right. None. Then you came back. That's my story. No, yeah. but I gotta ask you. Like, hold up. Um, like, here's the thing. Us, like, you know, the peasant Muslims that we are, that we're born into these Muslim families. We don't like. I mean, it's let's be honest. We know bare minimum. Okay, that's what we're going for. Why did you go further? I mean, that's that's what I'm, I'm reading over this bio. I'm like, I don't even know what half of this means. What is? <laughs> And you went full force into it. Why? I mean, I I've always been like a like I want to know, right? Okay. I wanted to, and I wanted to like so I had I had an option because I had graduated with my first bachelor's. I kind of thought, okay, maybe maybe I'll go like the Western academic route where I'll right. go into like Islamic studies program or something like this or area studies, Middle Eastern studies, whatever. Right. And I considered and I applied to some programs. Um, but two things happened. First of all, you know, it was the recession. That was 2011. Mm-hmm. Yes. So a lot, a lot of programs were like pulling back. It was like, listen, like we're kind of like, we don't have money for anybody and you know, don't get your hopes up. So I did get accepted to places, but I didn't get like any scholarships to places. Right. So with a young family, it wasn't going to square like the right. finances of it. But then also like I, um, you know, I kind of just like my heart wasn't in it. Like I, I really, wanted to, I, because of that experience that I had had in that class, right? right. right. I was, I was afraid that I was going to get myself into another situation where I've got somebody who doesn't have any stake in this faith. Right. trying to educate me about it and I'm going to end up with this kind of action of whatever so I'm like okay it's like let me try to see if I can go as directly to the source as possible that's right. like if I can if I can learn Arabic and read Arabic and understand Arabic then I can study these things myself I can go back to the literature I can like I don't have to depend on somebody to translate it for me and spoon feed me and then give me their own kind of uh, wow, you know, red- that's a lot of dedication, Tom. I don't know, let me tell you that. Oof. Dedication and foolhardiness, like in what I know, like it's an equal mixture of both. But I was just like, you know, so yeah, let's do this. And I actually started teaching myself Arabic before I went. I started teaching myself Arabic um, while I was working, like maybe like the two years leading up where I was waiting to get accepted to the right. program. I got pretty far. Like I, I, I actually finished the curriculum that they teach there once before I went there. So then when I went there, I kind of did it a second time. Not not the Islamic part, the Arabic language part, right? Because right. over there, if, if you're not a native Arabic speaker, they're going to put you in the Arabic program. And then once you graduate from the Arabic program, then you go into the four-year, uh, you know, college, whatever oh, one you want. Oh, I get it, I get it, yeah. yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so I did basically the Arabic curriculum twice, once on my mm-hmm. own and once over there. And right. went into the, the field of, of Islamic law. Um, yeah, just because, you know, I wanted to be able to access that stuff myself. When you're a convert, everybody wants to tell you what to do. Ooh, like, yeah. no, 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 do it that way. No, 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 do it that way. No, this way is wrong, that way is wrong. If you don't have the ability to go back to the sources yourself, right. then you're just dependent on 
you know, it's like, uh huh, okay, all right. And you're trying to figure out, like, you know, 10,000 opinions, basically. Someone's trying to tell me to fold my prayer rug. I'm done praying, and someone's trying me trying to tell me to leave it, leave it, to unfold it because the devil's gonna do something. I don't like, you know, all these. <laughs> oh, you, know, you heard yeah, the yeah, best you know, ones. <laughs> all these sorts of like superstitions, and you don't know if like. Did this come from the prophet? Did this come from this? Like, where did this come from, right? So I was like, listen, it's like, I, if I don't go and learn it myself, I'm going to spend right. my life kind of like wading through, right. like not knowing, can I trust this? Can I not trust right. this? Like, so that was important to me. And, you know, I didn't really have a ton of prospects in the U.S. at the time anyway. Like I said, it was the recession economy. Right. You know, like everything was not like promising. So you know what? let's just go for it. And, right. and uh, I, I'm thankful it worked out. And then you, you've just recently, you graduated 2019, right? And then you came back. Uh, 2020. 2020. 2020, yeah. I came back in, I graduated spring 2020 and I came back in the summer. Yep. Oh, okay. And then that, now you're in New York, now, now in New York as, as an imam. How is that right. for you? I mean, after all of this, okay, you know, becoming being a convert doing your studies and everything now you're in in a position basically of leadership of muslim leadership uh, in a masjid and how is that for you yeah that's really interesting i mean i should say that i love the community that i'm a part of i think mm -hmm. it's the best community i've been a part of like people right. are very very calm respectful and all this like it like you know because i've been other places and there's quite a bit of drama mm -hmm. and so much drama there's always going to be, yeah, yeah. There's always going to be some people that look at you as a convert and like, right. this guy doesn't know what you're talking about. Like, how can you know more than me? You know, it's like you, yeah. not that I, like, I am not like I'm a beginner, you know, it's right. like, but you know, if you study a little, some people will treat skepticism, then they, then they will somebody who's from their own like ethnic background, right. for example. Right. And that's the hard part about being a convert. And plus, I mean, you know what, you know what you're doing. So uh it, it is that there is a certain amount of judgment that does get passed just because um you you are a convert and that's sad but it's it's there I, thankfully like i said that that doesn't apply to this community here mm -hmm. i have not experienced that, that right. here but like other places i've traveled yeah I've, I've experienced that but it comes to the territory you know like it's you have to understand where people are you know like right. like you said what was your religious education like i mean like it was <laughs> basically grandma telling you to fold up your prayer rug so the devil doesn't like come and like like whatever oh, so, i could tell tell a thousand stories <laughs> i'm not even going to get into that that's where people are coming from this kind right. of like folk superstition like whatever you have to be easy you know right. and i uh you know my thing is it's just uh you have to be dedicated to serving other people that's just right. that's just what it's all about right um a lot has been said within like the seminary student population about, oh, you know, you don't want to be like in a masjid because they'll try to control you and there's the politics in the masjid and they won't respect you and stuff like this. But you know, what I've found personally is that there's blame to be shared on both sides. Like right. a lot of people in, in my situation, they come in and they expect to just be like respected from day one and that's okay. not how anything works right. you have to earn the trust of people you have to put yourself in the service of people right and some people you know some students are like oh well you should get a side job and then just do dawah and islamic stuff like for free right maybe that works for some people but i'm just like if you go through all this training right you know it's like you want to be using it 100% of your time, or at least yeah. the majority of your time. You yeah. want to be, you know, uh, on the ground level, meeting with the people, you know, like helping them through their stuff. It's like, if when you're the Imam, you're there for everybody's major life events. You're there for the, the births, you're there for the deaths, I'm washing your body. You're, right, if, you, right. if you're, you know, lots of non-Muslims don't understand. Yes. We have a ritual kind of body washing that we do as Muslims similar yes. to uh the jews also have have a similar ritual sort of thing like i'm there for your marriage i'm like that's the, the imam is supposed to be like 
a constant kind of like reference mm -hmm. and presence in your life. Right. And there's so much beauty to putting yourself in that situation of service, mm -hmm. you know? And it's the only sort of thing that's going to demand that you use all your skills and all that you studied and bring it all together. And and it's also gonna do the spiritual work of keeping you humble because right. yeah, you're gonna teach you're gonna teach the first, the smallest chapter of the Quran to this, you know, five year old kid who's gonna just like, you know, looking over here. <laughs> he doesn't care, his mom made him come, you know, like yeah. he doesn't wanna be there. Whatever, you know, like that's part of your spiritual training. Like, like you right. have to be humble. You have to be, you know, it's not about, you know, uh, this grandiose sort of project, you know, that you're not going to like save the whole Muslim ummah. You're not going to save the Muslims of America. You're just there to serve a community and right. to be there for them and be there with them and build relationships and try to just make their religious lives a little bit more enriched. And I think that that's exactly what I wanted. And that's what I think should be the goal of right. students when they go abroad, you know, as you know, but so I'm, I'm happy. I love it. Like it's not without challenges. Like you're on call 24 seven, everyone, everyone knows where you live. You know, it's like people knock on your door, knock on your window, you know, like, <laughs> You know. I mean, I feel bad for you guys. It says, like, I see it all the time over here as well. You're on the mother. The imam is the first person they grab after the prayer. Oh, I have this, 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 this problem. Can you help me? You know, that sort of thing. The the amount of, of knowledge that you're asked to be able to recall, like, yes. on that is, is a little bit not fair. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> because there's a, there's a lot. There's a lot to Islamic law, you know, and that's like my my specialty. But it's not like some things like it's like okay, let me go back and let's look that up in like the books, you know, like the right, like times right. like expected. It's like okay, like uh, what about zakat on my 401k and what about this stock option? <laughs> what about, what about uh, mortgages and uh, what, what do we think about life insurance and like you know we could think from like here to there to there, yes, you know, within, yes. and, and it's like yeah, most people, you know don't it's yeah it's a very heavy responsibility you know i give you and everybody who does this job full credit it's it requires a lot of patience i mean it's coming from somebody who personally does not like interacting with people too often so i mean it's a lot it's a lot to take in when you have people demanding not just you know information it's a lot of uh spiritual work as work as you said that you know you lead the prayer five times a day um there are other rituals that are part of your responsibility it's a lot of work so yeah. i mean that's the thing and at the but at, even at the end of the day if you can walk away and saying yes this is what i want to do tomorrow as well like full kudos yeah. to you tom full kudos to you <laughs> You know, it makes everybody's life better. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. It's like being able to come into the mosque and things are different now with the pandemic, but like in non-pandemic times, it's like to be able to go someplace and you know you're going to find a smiling face, you know, right. you, know you, uh, you know, like that's what community life is supposed to be. And that's right. like the, the imam is to like facilitate that whole vibe, you know, right. like in... Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's it's value added, right? It, it adds value to life, and that's it's nice to be a part of that. Most definitely, and I mean, it's that's the incredible part of it. And thank you for sharing that story—not oh, that story, but your story with us, Tom. I mean, at, did you ever see yourself when you were younger? You know, that rebel, rebellious teenager, where you are right now? It seems like really like the exact opposite of where you thought you're going to end up, but here you are. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, yeah, that's how things unfold and you just kind of yes. have to put one foot in front of the other, you know, like yeah. I've changed a lot, but at the same time, you know, we believe that everything happens for a reason and even everything that happened to me along the way, I ended up using it in some right. way and some now, right. even my like experience being an atheist, my experience being like, whatever it enriches my ability to connect with people because right. I know what it's like, even with Muslims. Listen, when I first became a Muslim and I worked like 12 shifts, I was making up 
prayers at the end of the day, like right. a lot of Muslims do. Yeah. Not praying the prayers on time. Yeah. I know what it's like. I'm not, you know, born in, on a mountain in India, you know, and I just came down and I'm like going Divine to like from the, the beginning. Here. <laughs> Uh, no, no, I, I really know what it's like to struggle with your faith. I know what it's like right. to negotiate the different expectations that are coming, you know, from different aspects. And many Muslims, they're not too different from non-Muslims. Like, right. there's certain cultures, maybe not in the South Asian culture, but in other places where, where uh, you know, if you start to wear hijab, they're like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? This is too extreme. You know, it's like if you start praying, you know, it's like, whoa, slow down, slow down. You know, like this is this is too much, you know. So, you know, we can relate. We can relate to that because it's a very familiar sort of experience. No, I mean, exactly. It's that's the thing. I think um, most what most people take for granted, especially those who are not Muslims, but also those who are Muslims, is that all of our experiences are are so different how we get to where we are. There's always a story behind it. And thank you again, Tom, for sharing your story. And thank you to my audience for listening in and viewing me on YouTube. So until next time, um, I'll be here with another story. So you take care of yourself and make peace be on you all. Thank you so much for tuning in to I'm a Muslim and That's Okay. And if you wish to follow my social media for more updates, you can follow me on Instagram, on Facebook, and on YouTube. All the links to those are in the show notes. And if you are on Apple or on Spotify or on Podchaser, please do give my podcast a five-star rating. It really does help get me, you know, in the public eye. And if you wish to donate to support the podcast, you can do so through the PayPal link in my show notes as well. Take care.